Love it. Can we get those lights in the back pretty please? Thank you, God. Thank you, worship team. Amen. I love coming to church and putting my eyes on the Lord. Hallelujah. And his victory and what he did. So good. So good. So aren't you so glad that you have a Savior? Like he's the, he's the one that wins. He's the winner. He's the victor. Um, he does everything. What we do is we just, we, um, just mess up. <laughs> and we get saved and rescued over and over and over again. Amen. He, he, he is the hero in our story. We're not the hero, you know? And um, it's, uh, it's just the best news in the world. I love it. It's wonderful. Well, we have some announcements. My beautiful wife, come up here and tell us everything that's going on. Amen. Let's give it up for Stacey Johnson one time. You know Lily's going to come. Lily's going to come up. She's like, oh, it's time to get on stage. How great. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a week from tomorrow, we are doing the shelter Thanksgiving dinner. Um, so if you have already posted on there what you're bringing, we ask that you have it there that night by 530 or at least give it to somebody who's going to be there by 530 if you're making a dish. And then if you are going to make a um, turkey breast, I brought four turkey breasts that are in the freezer back there. I think Marietta said she's going to cook two. And I think Amanda said she's going to cook two. So those are those four. I'm I might get another one, and if I do, I'll probably cook because it won't be here for the week. Um, I think we had four last year, but I'm thinking I'm gonna, we're going to have to do five. Um, so, and if you want to help, then just get with Jeremiah or come out, come out and serve. Come out and serve. It's the best time in the world. You're you're gonna you're gonna eat good food. You're gonna love on people. You might cry a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You're just gonna give of yourself, and it's just like a big family time. See, one of the greatest gifts God can give you is somebody to love and somebody to help. Because man, I'm telling you what, and if you're not if you're just living for yourself, you're not happy. And, 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 and I'm so thankful for the shelter because it gives us an opportunity to serve somebody and not expect anything in return. Like, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's such a gift to be able to do that. So just come on out. If you've never been out, come on out. It's, it's fun. Yeah, so that's not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, which is the 13th. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday nights, we're doing a midweek, but it's not here in the church for the winter months. It's actually online. They had their first one this past Thursday. Do you want to talk about the last? Yeah. And that was our first one, and we have over a thousand views on on the three platforms that we shared. If you collectively bring all the views, we have over a thousand views. Um, it's a Facebook Live where you can join in through Messenger. But if you want to be a part of the Zoom meeting, let me know, and you can be a part of the Zoom. It's discussion based. Uh, it's me, Logan, and Grant. And then uh, if you want to be a part of that, be a part of that. It's a great thing to do. Um, on, on Thursday night where, you know, you don't have to leave your house or anything. And now that the time changed, it'll yeah. be dark, and everybody like, oh, my gosh, is it midnight? But it's only like 530, so. <laughs> uh, yes, and then um, we are, after the winter months are over, we will start back our Thursday night Bible studies here, but we're going to do a book study. Um, Grant is going to be leading a book study, and if you ordered that book, he went ahead and put that order in this week, and it should be in, I think, by next Sunday when he gets here. Is that what yeah. he says? So he's saying, bring your money next Sunday. Yes, yes. And then I have a, just a few more just things just coming down the pike. I'm not going to give a lot of detail. We are going to set the schedule for our Christmas party. Um, we pretty much already have it solidified, but I just want to make sure. So I will have by next Sunday, we will have a date for our, our awesome, fun Christmas party. Um, so you guys can go ahead and put that on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
And I'll give more details about that as it gets closer. And also we do, as a church, want to um, adopt a family through the school like we normally do. It's not actually through the school anymore. They passed a law where schools are not allowed to do that anymore, which I'm not going to really talk about that much. But so a, a local church in Versailles has taken over the program. And so I had a meeting with the lady who is leading it up, and she's still going to do what they usually do at the schools. So I'll get names and stuff for that. And we're also, we talked about this yesterday morning at the women's thing, find out what, what do they do for the kiddos at the shelter on Christmas? Because we would love to, um, as a church, take some, some stuff down there for the kids. There's so many kids Or not even, the, I think there's like 11 kids at the shelter right now or something. 11 kids at the shelter. I mean, like little kids, like lilies, lily age stuff. So if once we gather some more information about how they're taken care of for Christmas, we as a church might do do something. Yeah, but I think this. I'm I'm saying I'm sure that that because they are in a shelter, there is probably some more aid. So I'm just want to find some details out first. Once we find the details out, details out, and I'll have Jeremiah do that this week. Then we will, as a church, we'll figure out what we need to do to help that happen. So that's that's it. And then, and then, we're building on to the church. Oh, yeah. Can I get an amen? <laughs> not one bathroom, not two, but three. <laughs> Hallelujah. And everybody said amen. And so we're excited. And we got Chad here, and Chad is going to help us. Everybody say thank you, Chad. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the variants and stuff or no? Have we got past yeah, and all that stuff? Yeah, you want to talk about it? So one of the things that we had to do in order to be able to build onto the church was one, we had to decide which which direction do you go? You go out the front, the back, out that way, out this way. So of course there's laws on what you can and can't do with that. So we decided that we want to build out from the kitchen. That way the kids are close to the kitchen, they're close to the bathrooms, you know, it's just easier to manage. Well, so the law is, is you've got to have 50 feet between your property line and your building. So in order to say, hey, we want to, you know, we want to build that way, what can we do? So you have to go to planning and zoning and you have to ask for permission. And so that's what we did. You have to apply, you have to send pictures, you have to send in money, you know, all these things. And then the board there gets to decide, do we get to do that or not, you know? And so it was quite interesting. You know, it was fun to learn how your local government works on things, and so they approved us. Not only did they approve us, they didn't ask questions. Praise God. Let's go. It's awesome, man. So awesome. I just want to say a little bit. This give you a little more detail about the building because I know some people don't really know. I know that right now our main focus as a church is more children's church classes. We have one upstairs where we take all the kiddos, um, and we needed more bathrooms. So we're building a children's church room off this side. But ultimately, our, our future vision and goal for the church is that this whole building be for kids and build a new sanctuary out front out, and all that land. So, like, right now, it's just a small little step forward just to meet our need. But ultimately, this whole, this whole thing will be just for kids, and then we'll have a whole new sanctuary out front. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Amen. So, anyway, did somebody say something? That's somebody said something. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, hey, if you need to give on, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Uh, if you want to give into our building fund, just put building on the envelope. Those of you guys that are watching online, you can give through gracepointgeorgetown.com. Hallelujah. Thank you for supporting us. Amen. I'll take a, an envelope, too. I did not get one today. Yeah, it is. Can you hand me? There's about 20, 25. 
Probably more than that for Thanksgiving. Because, I mean, there's 11 kids. There's probably 20, 25 adults. Um, so 25, 30, I would say. Thank you so much. Amen. Man, I tell you what, I'm so thankful. You know, I, I'd gotten a bunch of, i gotten a couple invites to preach somewhere this weekend <clears throat> at this, like, massive meeting down in uh, Birmingham. And I kept, and then I also got invited to go to this uh, youth camp out. And um, I kept feeling like I needed to go to this youth camp out. And um, a friend of mine's been discipling some young people for a while and hadn't really, not discipling them in the gospel or Jesus, but discipling them as like young men. How many of young men need role models? And so what he's been doing, he's been taking these kids and he's just been teaching them how to be a man, teaching them how to catch a fish, clean a fish, shoot a gun, change oil on, on, on their vehicle. And um, just all these things, just imparting, just mentoring to them. And, uh, and, but he wanted me to come and, and kind of pull the trigger on the gospel. And so they had like this weekend getaway where they were just camping out and they were doing all these things. And then so um, I, I came out and, you know, we shot guns and stuff like that and it was fun. And, um, and we were sitting around the campfire and I had the honor. How I many you know, some, some water, some sow, some reap, but we all work together. Can I get an amen? I had the honor of coming in and sharing the gospel and there were three young men that got saved last night. I'm talking saved. I'm talking about tears streaming, saved, and uh, just totally and completely transformed. They're probably about 19 or 20 years old, and uh, and how many know that's more important than me going to some big meeting down in Alabama? Can I get an amen? <clears throat> God, what, the way God looks at ministry and rates ministry is very different than the way man does, and uh, I kept feeling like I was supposed to be right here. So me and probably 10 young men. Uh, and then this other guy as well. We had a, a very powerful meeting, and three people's uh, lives in eternity were forever changed. Amen. And uh, how many of us so important to be led by God and just do what God is telling you to do? Amen. I no, I did not camp out. You know me better than that. I came, I ate, I preached, I went home. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I got the name Jeremiah Johnson, but I am not a mountain man. Praise God. Yeah, I just. I, when I was a kid, I camped out so much, I got burnt out on it, and now I'm supposed to sleep in my bed, you know? Let's, let's fish, let's eat fish, let's walk through the woods, let's wrestle a Sasquatch, you know what I'm saying? But when we go home, let's go home and sleep in our beds. <laughs> Amen. Sorry. Praise God. Um. Help us and to, uh, it's, we're on this mic now, so they're fixing it. Um, we want God to help us, and a lot of times we want God to answer our prayers, and we want God to change circumstances and situations. And how many know there's nothing wrong with that? And how many know God will change circumstances? God will change situations. God will do miracles. God will do breakthroughs. God will pass variances. God will. He, he, he's always doing amazing things. But I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest miracle 
And sometimes what is needed for the breakthrough is a change in us. And, and we have a, a tendency, we want things to change outwardly, but really it's an inward change that we need to get where we're going. And God is a Father, and so He's fathering us in this place of change and transformation. So at the end of the day, how many know what God wants for everybody in this room? Is He wants you, He wants love to be flowing out of you. Right? I mean, that's the end goal, is, that, is that, uh, that, that we would be loving Him and that we would be loving people. Right? I mean, that's the end goal. That's what makes us look like Jesus. That's what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, right? I mean, all the fruit of the Spirit is love and peace and joy and kindness and gentleness. I mean, you know, if everyone in this room was walking in a full measure of the fruit of the Spirit, how I many you know there are certain circumstances in your life that would change? I mean, you know, there'd be a change in your marriage, there'd be a change in the way you raise your kids, there'd be a change in your job, there'd be a change in the way you perform in the world. And God wants fruitfulness in His people. I mean, you know, He wants us to not just be identified by our bumper sticker or our t-shirt, but He wants us to be identified by the way we treat people. I mean, that's the number one thing, folks. If you want the depth of spirituality... It's, it's not, uh, you know, all the gifts and the, and the charisma and all the wonderful, miraculous things. The rubber meets the road on how you treat people. And, and there's an element of transformation that we need in order to walk into the things that we've been praying for. Right? Now, the challenge is, a lot of times we've tried to transform in our own strength. And that's the biggest challenge. Like, even as I'm saying, everyone in here knows what I'm saying is true, what I just said. But the challenge is, is that we've tried to change and we've failed. <laughs> over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? And what I've been teaching these past few weeks is I think there's a missing element of our transformation that we've kind of left off that's actually going to bring forth fruit and transformation in your life in a way and in a magnitude that you've never known because we've been trying to do it in our own strength. Anything as a believer that you do in your own strength, you are destined to fail at because you're, you're, we are not called to do this in our own strength. How many know that the, the branch does not bring forth the fruit? The vine brings forth the fruit, right? And how many know we are the branches and He's the vine? And so if we haven't seen transformation and we haven't seen change the way we want it, it's because we've been operating in our own strength. And I'll tell you what, as a whole in church, a lot of times you're basically taught how to do things in your own strength. Try more, do more, try harder, quit doing that. Six reasons why you don't have this, seven reasons why you don't have that. And what you have to understand is Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. Christianity is not a self-help class. You did not come here to try harder and do more. Okay? You came here, as I, and me too, I came here to be rescued. Again, from me. <laughs> you came here to be rescued from you. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
Because you're rescued from your own strength. Because when we operate in our own strength, we're destined to fail. You cannot love God in your own strength. You can't love people in your own strength. Not the way God's called you to. How many know God's called you to give an unconditional love? How many know we live in a world where people make us mad every day? <laughs> if we're honest, you know what I'm saying? How many know people disappoint you every day? How many know you disappoint yourself every day? And, and we need a strength that's greater than our own. And I feel like I found the key to us leaving our strength and beginning to operate in His strength and seeing a transformation happen in our lives based upon Him and not based upon ourselves. And, and, that, and the key is Jesus. I mean, it's it. I mean, He's the key. He's the answer. This is not a dog. Is it hot in here? Does everybody feel okay? Starting? Okay. Is, is it hot, Olga? All right, shoot. Olga said it's hot. So let's turn the AC on. All I need is, all I need is one amen. Just one. Just one. I'm in long sleeves today. I don't know what I'm thinking, man, but like I just need to wear a T-shirt in every season when I preach. So, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, thanks, Olga. Yeah. Can we kick that AC on just a tiny, just a little bit? Praise God. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate it. Amen. People are, are taught better when they are not hot. <laughs> When, when people are hot, they don't receive well. You know, I've been, I've been preaching for a long time, and when people are hot, they don't, re- when they're full or when they're hot, they don't receive well. So we've got to keep that flesh nice and air-conditioned in order so that, so that your, your mind can receive what's being said. Amen? So, and if it gets too cold, we'll turn it back up. Amen? She got the little fan on. Amen. Appreciate that. But we, Jesus is the answer but what a, what a, a lot of times what we've, what we've been taught to do is to, is to focus on ourselves. And the more that you can focus on Jesus, the more that you can access His strength. And so, you know, you make a statement like that. Yeah, yeah, focus on Jesus, blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? What does that mean in a practical sense? You know, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, I don't see Him anywhere. So, like, what do you mean? You mean just keep coming to church, keep hearing? You know, what, what, what does it mean to keep your eyes on Jesus? And, um, and so I want to talk about that from a very practical sense because there's one element of keeping your focus on Jesus that's going to open the doorway for you to receive all of God's grace and all of God's strength. And if you get your attention off of Jesus and get it back onto yourself, that is the place where, where grace is frustrated. That's the place where we enter back into our own strength. And it's actually surprisingly simple. Amen. So let's Romans chapter five, please. And we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna do a good solid review before what we get into. Um, we want to be in the spirit. We don't want to be in the flesh. When when the Bible talks about being in the flesh, it, that is talking about being in our own strength. And um, we don't want our own strength for anything in this life. <clears throat> so we're gonna do a little bit of a review here, and I want to help all of us. To, 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 to be able to access His strength so that we can transform, so that we can begin to uh, display greater and greater levels of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? And because here's the thing, it's going to make your life better, it's going to make the life of those around you better, and, and there are certain places and destinies that God has for you that's only accessed by you being your true self. 
Not the person that maybe the world told you that you were, not the person maybe you told you you were, and maybe not the place that your, your parents told you you were, or anybody else had to say about you. You just being you. Amen. And you are awesome. You are. In Christ, you are awesome. And so Jesus wants to express his nature through you. So Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, For by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive, everybody say received, and, and we're receiving an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now, it's so important to understand, and this is the key element of whether you're accessing God's ability or you're in your own ability, you are made right with God by believing in Jesus. You are not made right with God through what you do. That's the, most, that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the offense of the cross. And a lot of people have a head knowledge of that, but getting that established in your heart to where you're actually living your life out of that is a totally different thing. You do not make yourself right with God through your actions. That's contrary to the flow of every other religion in the world. Righteousness, right standing with God, is a gift. And His name is Jesus. Okay? So, you know, and I always start trying to make it real clear. No one's going to get up to heaven and knock on the door and say, I deserve to be here. Right? I mean, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're going to no ways enter into the kingdom of heaven. So this gift of righteousness is key to you reigning in life, to there being an element of transformation in your life. Because if you are trying to establish your own Right standing with God through your behavior, you will frustrate grace, you will end back up in your own strength, and it will be left up to you to tape fruit to your vine. Because you won't be producing fruit, because you're going to be in the flesh trying to make yourself right with God. Very important. There's no one in this room that's any better than anybody else. There's no one in this room that's more right with God than anybody else. You're either right with God or you're not saved. There's no in-betweens. You're either born again or you're not. You're either alive or you're dead. Okay? And this concepts of varying degrees of righteousness that's taught a lot of times in the church is wrong. Because a lot of times it's taught like this. The pastor is the most righteous. Right? Front row, a little bit less righteous, a little bit less righteous. A little bit less righteous, and then you get the donut people in the kitchen in the back. You know what I'm saying? We ain't even sure what them people did. No, it's all good. It's all good. But, you know, I spent some years of my life thinking the closer I got to the front row, the more valuable I was in God's eyes, and the more right I was with God. And that's how it was taught. And so what ended up happening is, rather than the church being a family of people that loved each other and took care of each other and honored each other, we all stabbed each other in the back and competed to get as close to the front row as we could. And you know what? I got to the front row, and there was no pot of gold <laughs> at the end of the rainbow. There was just more self-introspection, more competition, because there's always somebody you think is more right with God than you. That's right. 
There's always someone who's got a bigger name. There's always someone who's got a bigger voice. There's always someone who's got, you know, tighter Christian hair. You know what I'm saying? Or, or whatever, whatever metric that you want to measure yourself by. How I many you know we are notorious for measuring ourselves amongst ourselves and comparing ourselves amongst ourselves? It's not right. It's not true. If you are in Christ, you are right with God and you have just as much a right to God as anyone else who is right with God. Can I get an amen? So you're right with God, right? And so, but you cannot try to establish your rightness with God through your behavior. And if you do, you'll frustrate grace, you'll end up back in the flesh, and you will not have peace with God. Because if your rightness with God is based upon your conduct, you're never going to have peace. Because there's always going to be one thing you lack. And so what you'll end up doing is you'll constantly be comparing yourself with other people, you'll constantly be measuring yourself with other people, and you'll either get condemned because you're honest and you know you're not awesome, or you'll spend your days tearing everybody else down to feel better about yourself because they, mis- they make mistakes differently than you do. How many of y'all, that is biting and devouring one another? How many of y'all, that's not the love of God? Once again, the end game is love. The end game is that we as believers would treat each other so well that people would know we were believers by the way we treated each other. The Bible says that they will know us by the way we treat each other, by our love for each other. I mean, that's the ultimate form of evangelism is when Christians love Christians. Not Christians competing against Christians. Not Christians using each other, not stabbing each other in the back. Not trying to jockey for position and get the pastor's approval and all that bunch of stupid stuff. Okay, there's no sense of rightness in your ability to compete with your other brothers and sisters. I mean, no, we're not love-starved orphans competing for daddy's approval. We are seated at the table. And there's not a higher seat than anybody else's seat. Nobody has more of a right to God than anybody else. This is actually all about Jesus. We're not little heat sub-heroes in the story of Him. He's the hero. He gets all the credit. He gets all the glory. He did it all. He saved you. He's the one that gave you the gift that He gave you. He's not impressed with your gift. He's the one that gave it to you. He knows how it works. You know what I'm saying? Like He wants you. Amen? And it's like God is denied fellowship with His people because we're going around trying to establish our own righteousness, competing with each other, trying to add to the cross. The cross was a success. Jesus did a good job. So, if you are born again, then you're right with God right now. Your rightness with God does not fluctuate because it's based upon a new identity. The reason that you're right with God is you have been born again and you have a different nature. You have a righteous nature. All my kids are Johnsons because they're born of me. We don't have one kid more of a Johnson and one kid less of a Johnson. They're all Johnsons. Lily, when she bum rushes the stage, and it's all we can do to get through the announcements. You know what I'm saying? She's still a Johnson. You know what I'm saying? 
In fact, that shows even more that she's in Johnson. Praise God. They're like, that's Jeremiah's genetics right there. Look at that. Look at him having to handle that now. Hallelujah. Been praying for a daughter for 20 years. Now he got one. Hallelujah. Sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what I signed up for. <laughs> a little bit more spice, you know. This morning, she, uh, you know, she likes candy like her dad. And so she grabbed, she got, she's not supposed to have candy first thing in the morning. So she grabbed, she grabbed some candy. And she opened up the, uh, the th- and she was just eating. We're like, Lily, you know, you can't do that, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But she's already eating it. And so then she's going around the house just flexing on everybody because she's got candy. She's like, yeah, well, you know what this is? You know what this is? Candy. I mean, just like that, too. Just like just eating it. I mean, it's just like, man, praise God. Anyway, hallelujah. It is. It's funny, man. It's like, wow. Amen. Praise God. But even when she makes a mistake or mistakes, doesn't change who she is. Doesn't change how I feel about her. Do you think if my human seed is powerful enough to maintain my daughter's identity, how much more the incorruptible seed of the Word of God able to maintain your identity on your good days and on your bad days? on your ups and on your downs. And see, the more that you believe that the cross was a success and you're right with God, you are actually going to have access to grace to transform so that your behavior changes. And so that you are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Because receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Grace reigns through righteousness. Grace is God's ability. It's God's unmerited favor. It comes to you in an unmerited fashion but it's God. I mean, I mean, I want God's ability to love people. God's ability to be a husband. God's ability to be a wife. God's ability to be a son or daughter. God's ability. And grace reigns through righteousness. And so when your righteousness understanding, when your belief about your righteousness or your right standing with God gets off, you go back to the flesh and now you're in your strength. And... The only thing you can do is fail and get depressed or fail and blame other people. But, and love's not a million, nowhere near any of those things. And so this issue of you being right with God is the primary and most important issue. And you're either going to honor yourself or you're going to honor the cross. How do, I, how do I honor myself? You look to you for making yourself right with God. And I keep saying it over and over again because we got to get it in here to where you wake up in the morning with an awareness. of Every day of your life, your focus should be believing that the cross was a success on your behalf. Because if you can successfully believe that you are right with God, you're going to have access to grace. And grace is what's going to actually transform you and cause you to look more like Jesus. Everybody tracking me here? And I'm just kind of throwing out some concepts here. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. And I, I quoted this a second ago, but it says, So that as sin reigned in death, Romans 5 verse 21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. Grace reigns through righteousness, just like a water hose. Grace flows through righteousness. 
And when you, when you do not, when you, when you believe that you're not right with God, you kink the hose. When you believe that the cross wasn't a success and you try to establish your own rightness with God, you kink the hose. And you're back in the flesh and you're back into your own strength. And you're back into your self-righteousness. Man's, man's righteousness is his filthy rags and you're always trying to clean yourself up with rags. Rather than awakening to righteousness and recognizing that you're right with God because of what Jesus did. I don't know about you, I don't want to cut off God's ability from my life. This is all you have to do. Is this one thing, just, this is the obedience of faith. Don't try to do a million other things. Just take all of your faith and believe that what Jesus did was success and that you're right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you can do that, watch and see how you change. You'll change. And you'll change effortlessly. You'll change, you'll just, you'll be accidentally holier than what you were when you were trying to establish your own righteousness. I'm so serious. Like most of the cool things I do spiritually was by accident. Like I'm not even kidding. Like I'm not trying anymore. I'm just fighting the good fight of faith in believing that I'm right with God. Because when you are believing that you're right with God, you are in agreement with heaven. And you're accessing grace. So, and, and, all right, so Galatians 2. Let's take it a couple steps further. And man, I've been hitting these verses before every single service for probably the past month and a half. And every time I teach these, it's still like, because it's so contrary to things that you've heard. But it's right here in the book. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21 It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness or right standing come by the law or by my behavior, then Christ is dead in vain. If you can make yourself right with God by your behavior, there is no reason for Jesus to die. It just is. And see, you don't, you don't, and, and, and see, your rightness with God is not a behavioral thing, it's a nature thing. So you, you don't fall in and out of rightness with God based upon your behavior. How I many of you your nature doesn't change on a daily basis? I mean, once you're born again, you're born again, man. You're in the kingdom. See, God, and your spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit. So that that righteousness that has been given to you is protected. and you See, if we could mess it up, nobody would ever get to heaven. Seriously. God made this thing as easy as He could possibly make it because He knows we are sheep. Yeah. They are, man. They're cute. They're low. I mean, they're cute little things, but they're dumber than a box of rocks, man. I mean, they've got to have a shepherd. Sheep is like the most likely animal to die. I mean, they just die, you know. I mean, just anywhere, you know. You don't move them around, they'll eat the grass till they kill the grass, you know. And God lovingly calls us sheep. <laughs> lovingly. And see, here's the thing. And what you have to understand, you were created to be dependent on a Savior. So anytime you try to be strong all by yourself, you're, you're missing the mark of the purpose in which you were created. You were created weak. 
you just were. We were. Because Jesus is the hero. And, and He loves to rescue you. He loves to be your hero. He loves to be your strength. Amen? And so, but let me read it again. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. What frustrates the grace of God? When I try to establish my rightness with God through my law-keeping or my behavior. Everybody understand? Now listen, and, and I want to say this. I'm not saying your behavior isn't important. Your behavior is extremely important. But what I'm saying is if you'll believe what I'm saying, it will cause your behavior to be established by the grace of God and not your own strength. The end game is transformation. The end game is you walking in love. The end game is you not being in dominion and sin. The end game is you making wise decisions. The end game is you walking with God, being led by God, in relationship with God, being a light that shines, doing all the good works. Can I get an amen? But I'm just telling you, if you're trying to do any of those things to make yourself right with God, you're in disobedience. It's a dead work. It's unbelief. And it will frustrate grace. And you'll be a branch with no fruit. You'll be detached from relationship. You're only going to know God to the degree that you believe that you're right with Him. In Philippians chapter 3, he said that I would be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is the righteousness which is of faith in Christ Jesus, that I may know Him. If my kids feel unworthy of me, they will never enjoy me. God wants His kids coming up in the house, looking Him in the eyes, hopping up on His lap, because they're clean. They've been made clean. Is there anything more successful than the blood of Jesus in making you clean? The blood was successful, you're clean. And, and, and the whole point of preaching is to convince you that it was a success. Seriously. Like, I'm starting to understand this a little bit better. The whole point of the message is to, make, is to convince you that Jesus has made you worthy so that you'll have a relationship with God. Because if you'll be convinced of this, then God Himself will teach you. They all will know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. This concept of a go-between. You're not called to have your relationship with God through a pastor. Can I get an amen? No. No, 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 no. Moses is dead. You brought God in here with you when you came. Can I get an amen? God wants you to hear His voice. And the purpose of leadership is to direct you so you can have your own relationship with God. And that, and that, and that, and that covenant, you know, that all would know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. And I would write my laws in their mind and on their hearts. I would give them the want to. I would give them the desire by my grace and by my spirit to do what's right. You do what's right when you believe that you are right. But when you believe that you are dirty, you will still do dirty. And then the end part of that is, and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. The whole covenant works on the basis of forgiveness. Galatians 5. And this one... Last one before we step out of review of this part. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. This one, it makes it even more clear. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified or made right by the law or by your behavior, you are fallen from God's ability, God's grace. To fall from grace is not to sin. Sin does not stop grace. 
sin stirs grace up. Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That word in the Greek is a powerful word. It's hupoparisimos, and it means it, means it abounds way more than sin, and then it abounds even more, and then a little bit more is added to that. Like, it's astonishing how powerful that word is in the Greek. So anytime someone sins, <clears throat> the grace is there to pull them out of that sin and to set them back on the right path. Grace is not mercy. It's different. Grace is an empowerment to not sin. That's what happened to the woman caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus give her? He gave her the gift of no condemnation. Everybody wanted to condemn her. Right? He faced her accusers and took the law that they were shining on her and shined it on them. Because none of, there's none righteous, no, not one. Can I get an amen? Everybody there ready to kill her had sinned. And so he took out her accusers. He had never sinned. He was the only one that could condemn her. And then he gave her the good news. He said, neither do I condemn you. He gave her the gift of no condemnation. He gave that to her before she changed. Before she repented. Before she did anything different. She was in a, <clears throat> she was in a pile of shame. And he says, I'm not going to condemn you. And then he said, go your way and sin no more. His gift of forgiveness and no condemnation empowered her to not go sin. I mean, when that woman stood up, I mean, adultery probably wasn't attractive to her at that point. Because she did So God's grace, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Whenever anybody sins, there's grace coming to pull you out of it. Right? So sin does not frustrate grace. <clears throat> what frustrates grace is when you're tried to be made right with God through your behavior or stay right with God through your behavior. It's a mindset that frustrates God's ability. But how many know most of us have been taught that? We've been taught behavior is what makes us right with God. No, Jesus is what makes you right with God. Your rightness with God is not up and down. Now, Galatians chapter 3, please. Because if you can believe that you are right with God because of Jesus, then you'll access all, you won't be falling from grace, you'll be accessing grace. And then there'll be a cycle of transformation that's happening in your life. And fruit, love, and peace, and joy, and kindness is going to start flowing out of you. How I many of oh, you see it when somebody first gets saved? When those three teenagers got saved um, last night, there was immediate joy. There was immediate peace. There was immediate gratitude. Because for a moment, they believe the cross is a success. Now, the enemy is going to work overtime to try to get their eyes off of Jesus and back onto themselves. Good deeds and bad deeds. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. He can't, he can't afford to let someone stay Jesus-focused. But for a moment, them kids had more fruit on their tree than anybody in this room. Because they're in New Testament obedience. They believe that they're right with God. It's awesome. Beautiful. Blessed everybody that was there. But what we should be able to do is take them and teach them how to stay there. Not teach them out of there. Well, now, got to make sure, you know, you don't cuss. 
Got to make sure you don't do this. Got to make sure you got to get rid of that dip. You got to, 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 you got to. I can't do this. I got to walk away. Or I'm going to fake it and act like I'm awesome around other Christian people and then spend all my time being critical towards everybody else so I can feel better about myself. That's what's up, man. It's evil. That's man-made religion. It's not the kingdom. It's not love. People bite and devour one another. So, in the book of Galatians, they began in grace. They began in faith. They had a Jesus focus. But then they started to try to establish their own righteousness. And they actually turned their back on the gospel that saved them. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, this is the strongest words of correction from the Apostle Paul. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, among, set forth crucified among you. Th- in other words, they started with the Jesus focus. These were, non-gen- these were non-Jews, these were Gentiles. They had no framework of law. They had no framework of qualification or disqualification or establishing their own righteousness through law-keeping. Paul came, preached Jesus, they got saved. They were seeing signs and wonders and miracles, outpouring of the Spirit. Everything was fantastic until the Judaizers came and brought them back under the law in frustrated grace and started getting them to stare at themselves. And so he says, This only when I learned of you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Perfect by the flesh. So understand, I said all that to say this. When you are trying to make yourself right with God or keep yourself right with God with what you do, you're in the flesh. And when I'm saying in the flesh, I'm saying you're in your own strength. And if you're in your own strength, it's just a matter of time for you to fall into sin. All different kinds. So the enemy is always going to try to get you to be in your own strength. So he's always going to try to get you to establish your own righteousness. How many of you that's always been his attack? When he attacked Adam and Eve, what did he say to him? Say to them, he said, if you do this, you're going to be like God. They took the bait and they did something. They ate, even though they were already like God. You see how sneaky that is? He presented the same attack to Jesus. He said, Turn these stones into bread if you're the Son of God. How many of Jesus wasn't going to play his games? Jesus didn't do nothing. He said, no, I'm not doing nothing for you. I'm not performing for you. I am the Son of God. How many of listen, Jesus protected his identity by doing nothing. Jesus protected his identity by doing nothing. Adam lost his identity by doing something. But the, the, the pride of man wants to do something. The pride of man wants to take credit for something. We want to we boast in something. We wanna, we wanna, that's all humanism. That's all trust in man. So you don't have to do anything other than believe in Jesus Christ to be made right with God. Can I get an amen? And so now let's turn to Romans 8, please. And, I want to, and we're going to look at how we can stay out of the flesh and stay in the Spirit. Because we don't want to be in the flesh. And see, a lot of times we've always thought, and this is what I used to think, that being in the flesh meant 
you know, sinning or being in the flesh meant, you know, just being whatever. But really, being in the flesh is when you're trying to establish your rightness with God through behavior. That is the doorway of carnality. That is the mind, uh, that's the carnal mind, which is enmity against God. How many know, once again, if you're trying to do something to make yourself right with God, how many know you are rejecting the success of the cross? You're saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't good enough. I'm going to have to add something to that. And none of us would think that. Like, we would never do that purposefully. But at any moment when you are going back to your works to make yourself right with God, or let's not even say right, let's say worthy. Let's say clean. Let's say your value or your worth or your dignity. See, when you can detach your dignity from what you do, then your dignity will be untouchable by the standards of this world. God wants to do that for us, man. Everything in this world, all, everything's measured in doing. How much money do you have? What kind of car do you drive? How do you look? How skinny are you? How many followers do you have? What, you know, how, blah, 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 all these metrics. And God wants you to detach your value and your worth from anything that you do and it be comfortably and safely in who you are as His child. You know what I'm saying? And it'll bring a rest into your life that will actually make your, your doing better. See, when you're not doing for justification or you're not doing for value, it's easier to do because you're not nervous. Everybody understand what I'm saying? Just like if there's a kid out there playing sports and that kid's trying to play sports to get their dad's approval. How I many of oh, that kid's under a lot of pressure? And what is of how I many of oh, that kid's performance isn't going to be as good because they're going to be constantly trying to earn love. But if they go out on the field as a loved son, as a loved daughter, win or lose, rise or fall, fail or victory, they have that love. How I many of oh, their performance is going to be better? And that's why Jesus began his earthly ministry before he did one single miracle with, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He started with the affirmation of the Father. Before he did one single miracle, that was the power, his Father's approval. I mean, no, listen, God approves of you today. Like God is proud of you, he's looking at you, and he approves of you. He has a smile on his face, you're his kid. I mean, no, that'll put a spring in your step. That'll put your shoulders back a little bit. Because you've got God loving you and excited about you. This is what you have in Jesus. This is what you have in Jesus. Never ask yourself, am I enough? Always ask yourself, is Jesus enough? Because you are now in Him. Everybody tracking? Do y'all think if we got a hold of this, we could probably change the world? You know what I'm saying? If we could actually, that's why you got to keep hearing it because it's literally contrary to everything else you've ever heard. It's the gospel. And God said, I'm going to do a work in your day that's so good you're going to struggle to believe it. I don't want to get to heaven and find out I've been right with God that whole time and had God's love and approval and didn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to get up there and God was like, I loved you the whole time. I was proud of you the whole time. Because how I many know you don't always feel like that? But here's the thing, there's a place in the renewal of your mind that will affect your emotions. When you feel right with God, 
You don't want to sin. When you feel right with God. Now, I'm not promising you you're always going to feel it. Because your emotions are up and down. But what I'm saying is, as you change the way you think internally through the truth of the Scriptures, it will have impact on your feelings. It will have impact on your emotions. I spent most of my life feeling very unworthy. Feeling very inadequate. Feeling, never feeling like I measured up. I had a lot to do with my childhood. But over the course of these years, I've been studying these truths, and it's, it's starting to touch that place in my soul, in my emotions, where I'm actually, I, it, I, I have moments where I feel loved, where I feel right with God, where I feel clean. You follow me here? You don't have to live feeling shame. The Bible says that he, see, shame is a feeling. Shame is an emotion. And the Bible says that, that he that believes on him shall not be put to shame. God said, if you'll walk down this road of righteousness with me, if you'll walk down this road of good news, this narrow path, it's a narrow path. Because there's no other option than Jesus. This is the narrow path of life. Few there be that find it. But if you walk down this road, I'll remove shame and unworthiness out of you. And you'll walk with a sense of dignity and worth. And your dignity and worth will never be used to bring other people down because you didn't do anything to deserve it. So your confidence is not pride that belittles others. Your confidence is, an in, is, is based in Jesus so that your confidence actually lifts other people up. Can I get an amen? Self-righteous religion always makes everybody feel bad about themselves. And it always splits people up into groups. Well, this group is awesome. This group's a little bit less. This group's a little bit less. Whatever. Pride always separates. But God has, he has a place where He will restore your emotions. Because a lot of times your temptation comes out of your emotion. When you feel bad, and you feel shame, and you feel unworthy, that's when sin comes knocking with a little bit of pleasure. To try to get you by. And then when you take that little bit of pleasure, it deepens the sense of shame. And God has pleasure for you that will not bring shame. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The best life is the life that is walking with the Lord. It's the good life. Sin is not fun, folks. Sin is destructive. It kills everything it touches. And the enemy has fooled us into believing that sin is fun and a godly life is a life of taste not, touch not, handle not. You know what I'm saying? No, man. Taste it. Eat it. Enjoy it. Live your life as a child of God. Can I get an amen? Like, let's have a good time. It's true freedom. It's like... But the enemy is convinced. You know, that's one of the things that kept me from being a Christian for so long. I thought, man, these people got too many rules. I was like, I can't. You know, I could barely handle the rules I got. And, and, and so it just never, it never resonated in me. But the reality is the enemy has this place of deception where he says, well, you know, he makes sin look like it's fun and walking with God look like it's not. And actually, it's the opposite. Walking with God is the best form of pleasure that there is, man.
All right, we're going to skip Romans. Let's go to Galatians 5, and it is now getting cold in here. I'm sorry, Stephanie. Praise God. Turn, turn it off. Galatians 5. I've been trying to get to Galatians 5 for, I mean, yeah, for weeks. I mean, literally weeks. And, and here we are, you know. But I can't. Anyway, it's irrelevant. I'm not going to even talk about all that. Let's just go to Galatians 5. And we're going to, we're, and we're going to close here. We've got about 10 minutes left. But we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit for a little bit, and we're going to talk about the works of the flesh. Okay? Fruit of the Spirit is not something you produce by trying real hard. It's just not. In fact, the harder you try, the more you're going to fail. Faith is a surrender. It is a trust. It is a, I can't do this, you can out of the place of surrender, fruit will flow. But you've been taught to strive to, pro- to establish your worth in God's eyes and establish your worth in other people's eyes. And God has invited you into a Sabbath rest from all of your works so that you would have a clean conscience because of the success of the blood. And as you enter into this rest, the Spirit of grace will come upon you and bring forth all that transformation that you've tried for years of your life to get and you couldn't get it. And I feel like the greatest analogy of this is floating. I got two little, I got a niece and a nephew. One is, is a type A personality, one's a type B personality. The type A personality is a boy and I was trying to teach him how to float. And how many know you can't try real hard to float? Because if you try real hard, you're not floating. Because you're not trusting the water. And then the little girl, she's a type B, and and the personality thing is irrelevant. But she just, just float. No problem. Because she surrendered and allowed the water to hold her. And God is saying, I just want you to surrender and allow my spirit to hold you. I'll, I'll, I'll do it all for you. Quit trying to do it on your own. Let me do it. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I'll write my laws in your mind and on your heart. I'll give you a want to. I'll give you desire. And then when all that fruit starts rolling off of your life, you're not going to take any credit for it. You're always going to point people to me and not yourself, which is really all the Lord is ever, that's what He wants. How many old Christians want to point at themselves when they're doing cool stuff? Look at me, I'm awesome. I do this, I do that. Man, when people start talking like that, I just want to walk away. I don't want to hear about you, bro. You know, I don't care. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, yuck. I want to hear about Jesus. Tell me what Jesus is doing in your life. Don't tell me what you're doing. Ah. But, but what you have to understand is that life is carnal and fleshly, and it's all born out of someone not believing the cross was a success and trying to establish their own righteousness. We have so many believers running around trying to establish their own righteousness, working their little butts off. And a lot of times, those people are the people who will get mad at you and persecute you for resting. Martha and Mary, you know? Okay, so, closing. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, 
in the liberty, the freedom, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Listen, the yoke of bondage is works righteousness. The yoke of bondage is you trying to establish your own right standing with God through what you do. I would even call it unbelief righteousness. Because anytime you're trying to establish your rightness with God, you don't trust the cross as a success. Everybody understand? I keep saying it and saying it and saying it because like this thing is so... It, it has to be a revelation. You've did, the Spirit of God's got to teach you this thing. I preach it and I do the best I can and I feel like the deeper it gets in me, the better I am at conveying it. But God's the one that's got to turn the lights on. Because this fries every circuit breaker in your head. Because it's completely contrary to everything on earth except heaven. Stand fast in the liberty which Christ has made us free. Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now listen. How I many know we, we're not arguing over circumcision anymore? But cir- circumcision is not just a foreskin thing. Circumcision is anything that you're trusting in your flesh that's making you right with God. I mean, in our day and age, it can be tattoos or no tattoos, length of hair, piercings, whatever. All that external things. I mean, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not something external. It's internal. It's the heart of man. And so he's saying, if you are trusting in what you do, Christ will profit you nothing. How I many know you have to learn how to stop trusting in yourself? Like it's like a skill. Learning how to lean back in the arms of his love and letting him be your worth and your value and your rightness. And see, where this chapter is going is the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you can surrender your judgment of yourself, and judge yourself according to the success of the cross, and judge yourself as righteous, because you have been given Jesus' righteousness as a gift, then the Spirit of God can overshadow your weakness, and His strength will be made perfect in your weakness, and you don't actually have to be strong. How many of you strength's not paid perfect in your strength, it's made perfect in your weakness? You don't have to be strong in this. You just have to be willing to surrender. Amen? I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but I'm just trying to get it in there. And and it goes, it says, I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is debtor to keep the whole law. You can't have law and grace. You've got to choose. You can't have both. It says, you've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. How I many know what we want is love? What we want is the love of God, man. That's what makes us look like Christians. That's what makes us look like Jesus. That's what matters, faith working through love. He says, you ran well, talking to the Galatian church, who did hinder you from obeying the truth? They got caught up in what they could do and they lost sight of what Jesus did. And they stepped into New Testament disobedience through their works. You ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from Him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A tiny little bit of you thinking what you do makes you right with God will frustrate grace. 
You've got to let go of all of you. And he says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul has strong words against the Judaizers because they're actually robbing people of grace. They're robbing people of God's ability. And what's sad is the Judaizers, the legalists, a lot of times they're great people. They're not bad people. They just don't understand. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He says, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. What's the offense of the cross? The offense of the cross is that you'd be made right with God by faith and not your behavior. That's, that's the whole offensive thing about all of this message. That's the stumbling block. That you'd be made right with God by your faith and not your behavior. Amen? He says, I could wish that those who troubled you would even cut themselves off. Those are strong words coming from the apostle. But that's how passionate he is about this. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, freedom, from you making yourself right with God. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So here's the thing, <clears throat> quickly. You're right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? But don't use your righteousness as an expression of selfishness in the flesh. Don't use your righteousness as an excuse to sin. Don't use your righteousness as an excuse to be selfish. Because the whole reason God set you free is so you could love. And when you love, you're not selfish. Everybody tracking me here? So there's like balance here. Like God's like, you're right with me by faith, but I didn't set you free so that you could walk around and be selfish and act like you used to act. It's just the truth, right? Because here's the thing, that's not your best life. Because sin hurts. The punishment does not come from God, it comes from sin itself. So to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Everybody tracking me here? If you use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh, it will hurt you. And it won't just hurt you, it'll hurt those around you. And, and whenever you use your liberty as the occasion for the flesh, you give the enemy ammo to condemn your thoughts. Fleshly lust war against the soul. It will be harder for you to believe that you're right with God if you are regularly practicing sin. Everybody understand? I mean, it's just the truth. However, if you are regularly practicing sin, grace is still abounding towards you to pull you out of it. Everybody tracking me here? Because we're all developing, right? You know, just because you're a toddler and you're walking in this thing and you fall down, God don't cast you out. He picks you right back up. Can I get an amen? He's not going to leave you. You've got to say both. Otherwise, you start saying too much of that and people start getting condemned. Everybody tracking me on this? He says, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the end game, once again, is love. But we have to love with God's ability. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I was talking about that earlier. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. How do you walk in the Spirit? You believe that you're right with God by faith. That is the whole life of the Spirit. That is the doorway that the Spirit life is accessed. And we'll have, to, we'll have to teach more on this. Because me saying this is not enough to get that grounded in you. But we don't have, we're, we're running out of time. 
I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For, if the, fle- for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the thing that you wish. How I many of you know there is a battle? There is a battle. And while you're on earth, there will always be that battle. But the more that you can be made, the more that you believe that you're right with God by faith, the less you're going to be operating in your own strength and operating in the flesh, and the easier it is to be able to do the right thing and allow the Spirit of God to lead you and to walk in the Spirit and to walk in love. Everybody tracking me on that? It says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under a sense of condemnation. You're not under a sense of performance. But listen, this is so important. The reason God has shed His Spirit abroad inside of you and given you the adoption of His Spirit is so that He could lead you and empower you to walk in love. And when you walk in love, you know what's happening? The law's fulfilled. But it's the difference between your strength and His strength. If you go around and you're just trying to keep the law, trying to keep the law, trying to keep the law to be made right with God, you're in your strength. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to fail, 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 fail. You cannot approach it if you trying really hard not to sin. Whatever you focus on, that's what you're going to gravitate towards. Don't think of a pink cat. Stop thinking of a pink cat. Don't think of a pink cat. You all think of a pink cat, right? Because, and that's how the law works. The law makes you conscious of sin and draws you to sin. But if, if we just stay conscious of Jesus, if we just think about Jesus and be grateful for the fact that I'm right with God by faith, and I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful, and then I'm the righteousness of God, and then now I have access to all of God's ability, and now I'm walking in love, and not only am I not going to commit adultery, I'm going to love my wife the way Jesus loves me. I'm going to go past that. Not only am I not going to steal, I'm going to become a giver. Not only am I not going to take the Lord's name in vain, I'm going to worship His name. Because see, the law had the ability to impact your outer man. It never had the ability to impact your motivations in your heart. Only grace has the ability to impact your heart. Grace is a divine influence upon the heart. God's way works. But everybody thinks man's way works. Well, you just need to try harder not to sin. Well, you need to preach more on sin. Well, you need to tell... And all this stuff... It don't work, guys. It's like throwing gasoline on a fire trying to put it out. The strength of sin is the law. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, the works of the flesh are evident. When you are trying to make yourself right with God through your behavior, this is where you end up. And that's why you see ministries fall every day. Massive ministries fall every day. Immorality behind the doors. Crazy stuff. You know what they were doing? They were in their own strength. And they may have been able to run well for a time, but eventually their strength's going to run out and the enemy's going to get in there and he's going to wreck everything and everybody. Anytime you see strong legalism, there's strong sin behind the doors. Whatever culture it is, whatever form of legalism it is, Whatever form of right doing in order to be right there is, there will always be gross immorality behind the doors. Why? Because man left to his own strength ends up right there. 
Let's read it. It says, which are evident, works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry. The like, and so, the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not a heaven or hell issue. This is an issue of whether you're going to be functioning in the kingdom on earth or not. Because people read it and think it's a heaven or hell. Well, if I do one of those things, if I get mad and I'm going to hell, no, it's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the kingdom. You can't practice these things carnally and expect to be operating in the kingdom because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness which is of faith, right? Faith. So, when you're trying to establish your own righteousness, that's where you end up. Every single time. Because that's where your ability is going to take you. But if you will repent <laughs> for your, from your own righteousness and embrace Jesus as your righteousness, then this next paragraph is yours. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy in peace, and long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, character of Jesus, transformation, walking like the Lord, walking in love, new covenant, God's ability, not mine, fruit on the vine. All i got to do is stay connected. So do you see how important it is where you get your rightness with God from? Coming to church does not make you right with God. Reading your Bible does not make you right with God. Giving does not make you right with God. Evangelism does not make you right with God. Being kind to people does not make you right with God. Your clothing does not make you right with God. Your hairstyle does not make you right with God. Jesus Christ makes you right with God. <laughs> and that's it. And you can't add anything to it. Because if you add anything to it, grace will be frustrated and you'll go back to your own strength. How many know it's going to take probably some time? If you really want to get this in you, it's going to take some time and effort. Because it's going to take a renewal of the mind because many of us, we've been taught for most of our lives how to put our worth in what we do or the way we look or the things that we do, whatever. And God is, and that's why Paul said, I count all these things but dung that I may win Christ. Now listen, going to church is great because you're going to learn about these things. Giving is great because we're going to advance the kingdom. Witnessing to people is great because we witness to people. Being kind to people is great, but it's got to be done from a place of love and not a place of obligation. Everybody tracking me here? So it, really, it's all about just the motive of the heart. That's it. And the only thing that's going to purify your motives is when you believe that you're right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. So do you see how... This simplifies your life. Monday, you know what your job is? <laughs> to believe that you're right with God through Jesus Christ. Tuesday, you know what your job is? To believe that you're right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Listen, when you know that you're right with God, your work day is going to be easier. When you know that you're right with God, your prayer life's going to be different. 
when you know that you're right with God, your motives are going to be different. Amen? Everybody tracking me here? So actually, it makes everything quite simple. But it doesn't mean that it's easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And this is actually the fight of faith. The fight of faith is to believe that the cross is a success. And as you start doing it, it'll allow grace to happen in your life. And the next thing you know, man, there'll be a transformation that happens. And this is a cool thing. You'll lose a desire for sin. Like, you just won't want it anymore. It's so cool. Like, you just won't want it. But the enemy's always going to try to get you back into establishing your own righteousness. Amen. And I'm not saying you're going to float through life and be perfect because you don't get that on this side. Because you still have the battle that you have. But anyway, all right, I'm just going to shut up. Because once I start preaching this, I could, I, could, I could literally preach this forever and never get tired. I'm stronger having preached this. Every time I preach the gospel, I'm stronger on the other side. It's different. When you preach legalism, it's, it, 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 it takes a toll on you. Because basically you're cursing yourself and everybody else around you. It's a double curse on legalism. But man, you preach the gospel. Like when we got done with our Bible study, I was just floating around the house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was just like... Because we're preaching the gospel, man. Amen. And here's the thing. Everybody in here, you're ministers of the gospel. You're ministers of reconciliation. Amen. I'm just going to shut up. Lord, bless your people as they go their way. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great week. Amen. If anybody needs prayer for anything, yeah, amen. Give Jesus the glory, man. If anybody needs prayer for anything, see myself, see those around you. Have a great week. There's pies back there. People have bought pies. Uh, follow the people that have bought pies. No, I'm just kidding.